0: Hello and welcome to the Rhythm Changes Podcast. I'm your host, Will Chernoff. I was sick, I am now better, but my voice still sounds pretty bad. So we're here sounding like this, but today's a good day because I got something to tell you about that's brand new. That's a new sponsor in the Rhythm Changes Podcast community and that is Pearson Instruments. That's Brad Pearson. He's a luthier and guitar tech in the South Vancouver area in the Marpole neighborhood, just off of Oak Street. I've been taking my instruments to him recently and I recommend you do the same to get your instruments in top condition. So, I've brought him already my acoustic guitar, which I've played some gigs on, my electric bass, which I've played hundreds and hundreds of gigs on, and my upright bass, which I've played hundreds and hundreds of gigs on. And I intend to keep going through the instruments in my house, bringing them to Brad so that he can give them back to me, sounding better than ever, and just feeling great makes me excited to play them. So you can take your string instruments to Brad, get them in their best shape, Go to Pearsoninstruments.ca to learn more about his services and set up your meeting with Brad. That's PearsonInstruments.ca. Thank you to Brad and Pearson Instruments for sponsoring the Rhythm Changes podcast. This episode is brought to you by 12th Street Sound. That's Anthony Santorini, you know him, you love him, production, recording, and mixing at his studio in New Westminster, BC. Right here in the heart of the action around rhythm changes, Anthony has a special offer for listeners like you to get up to 20% off on your next recording project. That's right, we're here in July, you're probably cooking something up music-wise, and if you need an affordable place to get great sounding work done on the production or the post-production side, Anthony is your guy, and he has, once again, a special offer just for listeners of this show. You can find more about that at the special URL, 12 streetca slash rcp where you can learn more about the offer, what it includes, and if you're doing something else doesn't quite match that, you can reach out to Anthony about that too, and he will give you access to a special rate. This is especially good for artists who are looking for something a little bit off the beaten track to get creative, to find a space to tell their story as an artist. Go to 12 streetca slash rcp to learn more about how you can get up to 20% off your next recording. That's 12thst.ca slash rcp.
1: It was definitely a lot of sending files and remote mixing sessions that all came together in the spring. Then we worked with the designer, finished up all the other behind the scenes elements, and we really wanted to get it released before our summer tour. So we, we have the albums now ready to take on the road.
0: Happy Wednesday and coming at you from New Westminster, BC. This is the Rhythm Changes podcast, the only weekly interview podcast about creative music in Canada. On this week's show, as the 2022 Vancouver Jazz Festival has now come and gone, we are gonna take a break from jazz and we're gonna go over to my other musical love, which is fiddling and folk music traditions. We have a guest who has released not one, but two albums in the genre this summer. That's up next. Our guest today is a violinist and vocalist who released her third solo album, Windrose, on June 3rd, 2022, and another album, All It Brings, in collaboration with Alan Gira on July 9th. You can stream Windrose Anywhere, find both Windrose and All It Brings available on Bandcamp, and you can attend, either in person or streaming, a special double album release concert that she's doing with Alan Gira at the Rogue Folk Club in Vancouver on Tuesday july 19th so please welcome to the rhythm changes podcast jocelyn pettit
1: thank you so much great to be here
0: it's great to have you here there are a number of tracks on your album that i really like i guess i'm especially drawn to some of the tune sets that mix in some of the traditional tunes and i'm curious kind of how you selected some of those things Um, one of my favorite sets that i want to ask you about is the Miss jameson's set
1: Mm. Uh, can you mm-hmm. talk a
0: little bit about that one and some of the tunes that are on there and how you put that one together?
1: Sure. Yes. So that is one of the more traditional sets. It's a set of Scottish tunes. We start off with Mrs. Jamieson's favorite, which is a Scottish air, one that I learned while I was in Scotland. And then we go into a lively Strathspey, Bay, Lime Hill, and Two Wheels, The Contradiction and Frank Gilruth. So it's a really fun set and that transition from the air to the Bay to the reels is always a joy to play, especially when it gets really lively in the reels.
0: (laughs) So you have a connection with Scotland, so hence you've got this set of mostly Scottish tunes here and you've got a lot of Scottish influence on what you're doing and that's because you've been spending time in Glasgow for a number of years now. Now You're back on the West Coast right now and you're actually touring right now. But can you talk a little bit about your journey to Scotland and the time you spent there in general? What's it been like over the last couple of years?
1: Yes. Yes, I was in Scotland. I went there in 2018. I was there for two years doing my master's at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. And it was a wonderful experience, lots of new influences and inspiration. And great music, great people. So a lot of the, the album is inspired by that time and includes some fabulous musicians that I met while over there. So it's definitely a, an album that combines influences from closer to home here in BC, as well as from uh, Scotland and also my other heritage of Irish and French. So celebration of home and travel.
0: Yeah, so I briefly got to meet your duo partner for the All It Rings album, Ellen Gira, when you just performed here in New West. And because I understand that she is a cello player, an American cellist who comes from Maryland originally, sounds like you met in Glasgow. Can you talk about how you both mm-hmm. met?
1: Yes, so it was wonderful to meet Ellen Gira in Glasgow we were both in the same program and uh, the master's program so it's so exciting to be able to play live and play this music for audiences here in BC and then also on the east coast in August and September it's always a lot of fun to play that with Ellen and with a guitarist as well we're often joined by a guitarist and for the July 19th show we'll also have a percussionist with us Lori Lister she's fabulous And she's on the album as well. She plays the Udu, which is an African clay drum. Mm -hmm.
0: So a lot of fiddlers, you know, there are some kind of blueprints that are pretty common and nobody sticks to 100% just one of them. Everybody kind of lands on their own little mix of them. There's one where you can kind of come up through a traditional fiddling culture you can be raised in and that you can come up with. And then especially over the last couple decades, there are kind of these academic hubs where international musicians like you and Ellen, for example, can meet up and you can start a collaboration there and you can learn from some really impactful teachers and find some mentors there. But And then there is like a classical pedagogical situation where like as a fiddler, you'll start taking lessons at a young age and you'll maybe do something like more traditional kind of music school apparatus. So those are kind of three lanes of learning so to speak like a a folk music tradition a university kind of more modern contemporary study and then like a classical pedagogy so how would you describe your own learning journey in broad strokes kind of with those three things as a template to jump off of
1: Mm -hmm. yes that's a good way of framing it i would say a mixture of all as well as also learning from mentors and people along the way so if you know if people come to this area or if through travels you meet up with local musicians and it's been great to learn from people along the way so lots of mentors along the way and a combination of all of those approaches i would say
0: what's an example of somebody here in bc when you were coming up i'm thinking about your three albums now the self-titled caravan and the wind rose and maybe the journey up to the first album in particular. You've certainly covered a lot of ground from that album to now, but around the time of starting to put together your own solo projects, who were some of the people, who were some of those key mentors for you back then?
1: Yes, so that was in 2010. And that was definitely a really special project to involve To involve some of my mentors with Claude Giguere being a part of that. He was my first violin teacher uh, for many years in North Vancouver. And and uh, he plays on Kaidas Oasis, which is a really wonderful piece from Finland that we recorded on that album. So he was a part of that project as well as some of my other mentors at the time included Daniel Lapp in Victoria. So yes, very grateful for everybody who's been very inspiring over the years.
0: Nice. And then you get older and there's, some years and some learning that passes between that and caravan so like what's the major difference in where you're at by the time you get to caravan and then we can go from caravan to now but first (laughs) about this little segment
1: yes so caravan was starting to do more international touring at the time with my band we were touring in france and and in europe and and having more influences from other celtic nations so for example brittany in France the Celtic region in France uh, Galicia in Spain as well as the Scandinavian countries I was fascinated to learn more about those traditions as well so that that album starts to include more of those influences as well as more original material
0: yeah because then Mm -hmm. it's like after caravan then you have a period of time where you're playing all over the place, supporting that album. And then you go to Glasgow to to further your studies. Mm-hmm. And then in Glasgow, you write a lot of the tunes. You meet Ellen. Ellen plays on Windrose, of course, too, not just on All It yes. Brings, but she plays on like, I think, three tracks or so and leaves a big impact on them because you started collaborating while you were there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then you wrote this new music in Scotland. And then this is a whole new chapter of your life, too, now that you get to Windrose. So I find it really interesting where these albums were spaced out and the the development that happens between them is pretty significant.
1: Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. They're definitely different chapters. The Windrose one was, it includes the most original material of the three and it was really very inspiring to be able to work with the musicians in Scotland as well as my band here in BC. So it was recorded in both locations, Glasgow and then Duncan. Over on the island so to to involve all those wonderful people was really special yeah
0: and that was in the summer of 2021 that you started doing that in duncan and then you finished it later in the fall in glasgow and then you start to do the post-production and the last kind of recording things towards the end of 2021 so that's an interesting time to be wrapping up an album like what was it like at that time trying to plan and think about what you could do with it? Like, did it seem kind of odd about how how much stuff you actually were confident that you'd be able to go out and do or like, what, what did it feel like to try and plan for releasing the project back then? It's an interesting kind of time where there were a lot of challenges.
1: Absolutely, yes, that's a very good question. It was, we had so many delays with this project with the pandemic and and getting the whole band together. And of course with the international element that was delayed many times. And in terms of planning the release, that was also a challenge with making sure it was safe and making sure we had everybody's schedules lined up and and coordinating everything. So yes, it was a, a challenge I would say for sure, but I'm really happy that it's all coming together and we have the concert coming up.
0: Yeah. Another track on the album that might be one of my favorites is Winding Roots. What can you tell me about that one?
1: Mm, oh, thank you. Yes, that's an ode to my Irish and French roots. So the first tune is called In Memory of Coleman. It's a wonderful Irish reel. And the second one is a, an original tune called Real des Marais, which is Real of the Tides. Definitely wanted to pay homage to the the Irish tradition, fiddle tradition, and French Canadian uh, fiddle tradition, which I love so much and is part of my heritage. So that was a fun track.
0: Yeah. And then one of my other favorites would be Kitchen Kaylee for sure. That's just like a track that just wants to give you like a huge smile when you hit it. And there's some really kind of engaging sets right in there. I liked where it was placed on the album. It was really kind of like a, a mm. mood lifter, you know? So that's another one that Thanks. is uh, mostly traditional tunes, right?
1: Yes, yes. Well, they are written by contemporary composers, but in the okay, traditional yeah. style.
0: Yeah. So which tunes are in that set?
1: So the first one is a bay called Moxham Castle. And then we go into Jean's Reel and Wing Commander, Donald Mackenzie's by Phil Cunningham. So they're all newly written. They are by contemporary composers, but they are they definitely have that traditional kitchen party kind of feel, which is what we were going for.
0: Yeah. And then you do incorporate your vocals into both your recordings and your live performances. And you and Ellen definitely use them to expand your arrangements too, where you're both singing. You're actually singing harmonies together at some point to great effect during the set that that I saw you, uh, which is a really cool thing to do when you have two string instruments and then you're trying to find different colors for the arrangements, right? So Mm -hmm. I remember one or two... Moments in particular, but can you just talk about the different times on Windrose when you sing?
1: Sure, yes, three songs. The first one is Ready for the Storm, which is written by Scottish singer-songwriter Diggy McLean. It has always been a favorite song. It's a song about the sea, and it really fit the theme of Windrose, which is a theme of navigation and finding direction, finding your way. A Windrose is a name for a compass compass rose, and something to help measure the winds, a tool for measuring the winds, as well as a metaphor for something that helps guide you. So having the song Ready for the Storm was really fitting with how we've all been weathering storms these past several years, and it's definitely one we encourage people to, to join in on on the chorus to sing I Am Ready for the Storm. So... That was the first song, and then the second one is called Cheminant à la Ville, which is from Montreal, so it's written by Kate Nana Anna McGarigal, and that's a similar theme. It's it's about always leaving traces of where you come from so that you can return home, so it really has a, a sense of home to it. And the third song is Neverending Road, which is, uh, again, a song about... <laughs> A Journey and um, The Road Carrying On Forever. It's written by Lorena McKinnett. And it is paired up with a waltz that I wrote called Alpenglow. So that's the second last track of the album.
0: Nice. And then there's Mm -hmm. Transatlantic Jigs. That's another track that kind of stuck out to me. You released that track as a single. What's going on with that set of tunes?
1: Yes, that is that actually comes right after... Never-ending road. So, Never-ending road and Alpenglow glow is meant to be, you know, the the glow after the sun sets, and then Transatlantic jigs. The first tune is called Dawning, so the sun comes back up, and then it's meant to be a, a new journey ahead. So that's two. That set has two jigs. The first one, Dawning. The second one, Tides and Currents. And uh, I wrote those well in Scotland.
0: Now I'm a bass player. And trad music, you know, bass is a funny instrument like i I've always kind of gravitated towards just playing acoustic, playing acoustic guitar when i I play um non jazz music because I guess mm-hmm. I've split my life between jazz and various fiddling and folk music traditions uh mixed with playing in a rock band, but uh you have quite a lot of bass on this album you've had bass on on your projects like is that a deliberate choice or like why I guess is the is the dumb way to ask the question but why do you have bass on your album
1: (laughs) I love bass (laughs) all about the bass yes it's definitely been a treat to work with um the bass player on the caravan album Trevor Hutchinson from the band Lunasa and then Boris Pfaff who's on this album who's based in Vancouver He's also a really wonderful player so yes working with with both of them was a real delight and for Windrose, it really just we i i was hearing that low frequency fitting in a lot of the tracks so
0: yeah do you find it, it an odd thing think does it become odd at any point like when you're trying to think about how to mix it because a lot of the contemporary folk ensembles that would be your peers maybe don't have it or something or is it just natural to you at this point because you've already used it twice and you've played with such Mm. great bass players too
1: yes I would say there are definitely I mean bands like Lunasa who use bass so well are, are big influences and and uh, having those influences alongside the more traditional tracks has been really fun to work with. So having the more traditional tracks where the piano is doing the more of the bass end, we didn't include the bass in those ones, but then in some of the other tracks, especially the, some of the originals, those ones have the bass.
0: Right, because there is just something that you have to reckon with of that sound of the left hand of the piano with the octave bass is just so kind of integral to a certain really traditional style of playing, right? So you got to go with that at some point, I guess, yeah.
1: (laughs) Definitely, yes. The piano is a big part of it.
0: And then when I heard you perform with Ellen, you did incorporate, uh, maybe you've always done this too, but I didn't really think about it in the context of your playing. Like you did do some kind of more Contemporary stuff, or some more kind of things you associate with like Berkeley or Newgrass or whatever, like this kind of chopping stuff, right? That isn't always part of the traditional lexicon. Like, where did you pick that up? How did that find its way into your playing?
1: Yes, the chopping is so much fun. And Ellen and I really enjoy exploring those different textures of the instruments and exploring different ways of getting. Different sounds and and especially as a duo, how we can complement each other with with the different textures. So, the chopping. When did I first pick that up? It was probably through Daryl Anger and yeah. definitely that scene, um, Hanukkah Castle. Some really fabulous players from the U.S. and uh, Casey Dreesen is another one.
0: Yeah, did you actually study directly with any of these people, or did you pick it up from listening to their albums, or how did you interact with with them?
1: Mm-hmm. Mostly from listening, mm-hmm. nice. some workshops, but mostly from listening. Yeah, lots of listening.
0: <laughs> because I know, uh in a in a couple weeks, I've got uh, I've actually already recorded it with him, but I've got an episode with George Crotty coming out soon, who studied directly oh, with oh, with wow. Daryl for sure. Yeah,
1: that's excellent.
0: And his album is totally in, a, in another world like it shows the the diversity of kind of contemporary strings and folk what what you can do right the all the different it's like you said the different cultures or the different um folk music traditions that you can draw from it's just like there's such a big area to explore
1: mm-hmm. so exciting
0: yeah now we've talked pretty much entirely about windrows but there's all it brings in here too of course it's coming out around the same time and you've you've put these things together to have a great summer when you're traveling we haven't talked at all about where all it brings got made along the way here or how you ended Mm -hmm. up actually deciding to make that album so how did all it brings manage to come together amid all this other stuff
1: yes so it was Originally, we were thinking of recording it around the start of the pandemic and then of course there were lots of delays and I I was back here in BC, Ellen was home in the US and we were apart for 18 months so it was really tricky to be in the studio at the same time but we were continuously working on the material, working up some new material and then back in the fall of last year I was in Scotland. And we went into the studio over there. It was definitely an intense time working on lots of things at once, but we were in the studio in uh, near Bigger, which is just south of Glasgow for several days, and recorded the album.
0: Yeah. and then how did you how did you end up uh? finishing it along the way maybe after you ended up finishing the music of of Windrose how did it then come to pass where you ended up being able to release it this summer and fit it into everything else
1: mhm so we were remotely mixing and mastering all it brings because the engineers were in Scotland and we were we were in North America so it was definitely a lot of sending files and remote mixing sessions which was amazing to be able to do with technology so that all came together in the spring and we worked with the designer on the front cover and finished up all the other behind the scenes elements and we really wanted to get it released before our summer tour so that's why it just came out on on saturday this past saturday and we we have the albums now ready to take on the road
0: Yeah, and you do have both on CD and you are selling both on CD.
1: Yes, I would say this time I did more of a pre-order campaign. So um, with Windrose, I was doing pre-orders back in the fall. And then with uh, All It Brings, we did a crowdfunder campaign, which is how that album came to life was through our very generous crowdfunder backers. So we're very grateful to them. And oh, I didn't know
0: about this crowdfunding, though. I gotta, I gotta search this up right now so I can, so I can ask mm. you about this. Somehow I missed this. Okay, so you did an <laughs> Indiegogo campaign. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I, guess my question about this that I'm looking for the answer to, but you can also just tell me right now is like, where, when did you hit the switch on that? Had you already recorded the music and this was to complete the project and get it out into the world, or was this from the earliest stages? I'm just checking that out.
1: Yes, so it was before we went into the studio. So we launched the crowdfunder last September. And we went into the studio in October.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you had a very uh, intense uh, fall because you were yes. you were <laughs> producing Windrose at that time, and you were also launching this. Okay. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It has
1: been pretty nonstop.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, and you did. Uh, yeah, you did uh, do this Indiegogo campaign for All It Brings with Ellen from the from the get go when you were when you were starting to make the album because sometimes people will do it where. They have recorded it and then this is for the the component of the project that is involved with like releasing it, right? But no, this is this is like all in, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It was before we went into the studio.
0: Yeah. So I've only ever done one of these sorts of things myself. Was this your first time doing this sort of campaign?
1: Mm-hmm. It was, yeah. yes.
0: Okay. So what, what was what challenged your expectations about it? What what did you learn from doing that?
1: Definitely a lot of posting. <laughs> So many posts, just keeping people reminded that the campaign was going and and that it was still active, and trying to reach new people and really get the word out. Nice. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it certainly is like it's not exactly what you expect. At least it certainly wasn't when I did the first one, the the first and only time I've done it. Yeah, there were there were a lot of challenges that I didn't I didn't expect along the way. Yeah.
1: Were you on Indiegogo as well?
0: Uh, we did Kickstarter. We did one in 2018 uh mm. yeah and i have i haven't done one uh since early spirit has done another one since i left the band but that was the only time that i've done one yeah hmm.
1: that's great yeah so they got
0: to learn from it
1: <laughs> yes it's definitely a learning curve
0: <laughs> yeah they they got to learn mm-hmm. from it the second one so this is this is so great i'm glad i got to take in your music like in a really strong dose here by hearing you live and and catch you while you're kind of embarking on the real meat and potatoes of your tour i'm very excited for your rogue gig i need to confirm whether or not i'm coming and i'll let you know um yes. either way oh, so definitely looking forward to that uh the last thing i want to ask you about is really random just because uh there's this person's name that's on your project who's somebody whose name i've always heard but i've never actually met but i suppose i'm a fan of this artist or this musician because um i only got to go to scotland once uh, and it was when I was working for Claude in 2016, uh, I got to go with him on on one of those trips, which ultimately did end up being their final of the four trips they did to the Aberdeen International Youth mm. Festival, which mm. is not operating anymore. Uh, but on that trip, uh, I heard about how on the prior trip, uh, they had met up with this guy who had written this tune called washington square park and who had written a bunch of other creative kind of interesting fiddle music and mm, yeah the, they apparently got to do a workshop with him back then now i didn't get to meet him when we went in 2016 but i heard about this as like one of their favorite memories from their previous trip to aberdeen the previous time playing there but you have collaborated with this person so what was it like collaborating with angus lyon
1: yes it was it was fabulous because yes I had actually first met him in BC. Here, he came to the Roberts Creek Sunshine Coast oh. Summer School of Celtic Music right. many, many years ago when it was running. Did you go to that? Were you no, over there? No, I
0: mean, i i met uh, I met Claude in in 2013, and that that was it. I had nothing. I had no fiddle music in my life uh, before then, so it was all just discovering it from scratch and and not knowing much and just trying to listen to things so I didn't I didn't come up with the stuff but I I've since heard about uh, a lot of the stuff that's happened on the coast and how important it was Mm -hmm. you know
1: Mm -hmm. yes that school ran for many many years and it was always a wonderful learning experience because because there were all these fabulous instructors from Scotland from other places too but Angus was one of them and so I had first met him and been exposed to his music back then and then When Ellen and I were looking for a studio to record in 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 Scotland, we ended up recording at Angus's studio, which is in Bigger. It's called Grand's House. And so we spent the week there working with uh, Angus and also with Chris Waite, the engineer who recorded the album. So Angus mixed it and Chris was the one who recorded it. But they're both fabulous.
0: Well, the album is fabulous. I enjoyed both albums in their own ways there's a lot of a lot of great material that you've pulled together congratulations on releasing two albums in like four weeks that's pretty incredible (laughs) wishing you all the best on the tour and thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today thank you Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you like what we do here, I invite you to sign up to the free weekly article that I write. This week's article available now is back to jazz, of course. It is a review of the album called Cloud Mountain by Simon Millard, who has played a lot of jazz in Montreal, but now lives back here on the West Coast. You can check that review out, and if you like what you see there, you can sign up for future free weekly articles right on our homepage at rhythmchanges.ca.